It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Oh, Rich, here it is. It's another week. Another week has passed and lots of activity, lots of uncertainty, lots of things happening right now. Uh that we could either worry about or trust God about. Trust God about. Isn't that right? That's right. First of all, I want to say to Mark Perkin, <laughs> happy birthday. This is the week when Mark Perkin, birthday. Now, Mark, you know who you are, and I know who you are, so <laughs> we'll just let it go with that. But happy birthday, buddy. And um, as I get older, you kind of relax a little bit. You kind of get a little informal. <laughs> and Doris Akers is a singer, a soloist. She's home to be with the Lord. She's gone to heaven. But her music ministry and what she did over the many years has meant so much to me. As a matter of fact, one of our key radio stations, when it signed on the air for the very first time, I wanted the voice of Doris Akers uh, singing something beautiful. Do you remember what it was? There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. That was it. That was it. Well, anyway, she she got old and went to heaven. And she wrote that. The Lord called her home, and she recorded one song so everybody can enjoy it now. And you older people, you can, you'll understand it in a way the younger people can only surmise. Here it is. My dear brother, faint and feeble. My dear sister, weak and worn. We're going to wind up in the boneyard just as sure as we were born. These old bodies beat and broken These old bodies tired and torn Are gonna be a new creation Comes that resurrection Son of a may turn to ashes and all fury may unfold. Every star may fall from heaven and the moon may take a stroll. But the Lord will never leave me. He's the lover of my soul. Chapter 37. 
bones are gonna wake up walking. These old bones are gonna rise again. That great isn't that great that's a great promise and you see in the words to that song why she knows it's true because it's in the bible that's right and she could even tell you where it is in these chapter and verse <laughs> chapter and verse and now doris is in heaven and uh what a thrill that was i remember when i first heard her in los angeles probably 1953 or 54 somewhere in there and wow the music the way she could direct the choir and play the organ and she devoted her entire life once she was a christian brought to the lord as a child she spent her life praising him and singing for him and that's something right and she grew up right uh, not too far away in brookfield missouri and she that's where she was raised in brookfield missouri which is just north of Kansas City, and uh, kind of north central Missouri. But, but uh, anyway, well, let's not go on and on about that. But I have been thinking a lot about people that have been a blessing to me, but I did not know their story. I did not live their childhood. I was not raised in their home or their family or, or their circumstances. And everyone, like your thumbprint, has your own story. The good and the bad and the struggle and the success. But for some, it's a whole part of the population of the United States that we, who are of a different color, have not fully understood. One of the, one of the preachers on Bot Radio Network, how many years has Dr. Tony Evans been on Pot Radio Network. Well, right? since the 1980s, I'd have to do the math. Since the 1980s. What was the name of his program when the, it first started? The started? Urban Alternative. Now it's called The Alternative. The Urban Alternative. And I've known Dr. Tony Evans for years and years and years, but I never really knew his childhood, where he came from, what his situation was. And uh, I want our listeners to be invited to sit in the car with us. And as Dr. Evans is driving through the neighborhood in Baltimore, Maryland, I think everybody in the audience knows he's the pastor many, many years of this huge church in Dallas. Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas. In Dallas, Texas. But he started out in Baltimore as a little boy and on a trip a while back, he was going through the neighborhoods. It was a rainy day, a rainy day, and the windshield wipers were going back and forth. And he was talking about what it was like to reminisce as he was going through his lifetime as a child. I wanted to share it. I wanted to share it with our audience today because his mother, 
his father, and various people that God used to help him along to become the person he is to the rest of us now. Here it is. Well, I'm in the northwest section of Baltimore, Maryland, where I was born and raised. There are a lot of memories that come with driving in my hometown and in this section of my hometown. For example, to my right is Alexander Hamilton Elementary School. That's where I went to, uh, to school as a young child. And uh, it's where we began to see some of the, the racial shifts because this was a, this was a changing neighborhood. Uh, but as the white flight, as it was called, took place, obviously changes in school and the people moving in and those moving out, uh, as is the case in so many of our communities. But I have fond memories of my time at, uh, in elementary school. Uh, plus, I could walk to school. It was really safe to walk to school back then. And I would walk to school, and uh, it would be a great, great, uh, a great time of uh, growing and learning and, uh, and just in community, because this started out as more of a blue-class, blue-collar working environment. But things began to change over time. There was a great sense of community early on as a young kid. This, my father's house was the first house he got to own. And because of a white flight, he was able to get it at a very inexpensive price. It was very expensive for him, but as dollars and cents go, it wasn't greatly expensive. And through a great amount of sacrifice, he was able to acquire it since the folks who were here wanting to leave. As we entered into the, uh, the mid-60s, there was a lot of racial tension in our nation and in Baltimore, Maryland. I remember when Martin Luther King was assassinated and I was at a friend's house and saw it coming over the news and saw the, the pain on the nation's face. And then, of course, major riots broke out here in Baltimore and the National Guard was up in front of our home and all along our street and in the neighborhood to keep order during a, uh, a very tense time in our nation. But I also remember how my father's faith caused us not to become bitter, hurt, disappointed, and even angry, but not bitter, because my father would always remind me that God is in control. And even though it was uh, unjust and even evil, I was never to lose sight that God was in control. And that, he would do that all the time about anything. So as I look at the division in our nation today, it comes in all shapes. There's cultural division, class division, there's racial division, gender division. We've not been able to get away from the pain of the divisions in our culture. But because of the, the spiritual influence that I had, I was never allowed to limit myself to the reality that I saw. I couldn't deny it, it was all up in my face. But I couldn't limit myself to it because God was so much bigger. And I had to make sure that I was planting my feet firmly in my faith in the midst of the frustration and confusion. Because there was a lot of confusion. There were places I couldn't go because I was, I was black. There were things I couldn't participate in because I was black. But my father always was reminding me 
in one form or another that I was a son of a king and I was a king's kid and that I was to define myself not by how other people thought about me and sometimes not even how I thought about me, but what God said about me and how God related to me and to believe God in the midst of the unbelievable occurring. And so that was instilled in me. And so that helped me rise above it because he rose above it. So I had two things. I had him rising above the, the division and the discrimination that he had to deal with, but him causing me to rise above it too and to never limit myself to the limitations others put on me, whether it was wrong limitations by another race or self-imposed limitations on myself, that I could look bigger, see bigger, think bigger than my reality because the God I served was bigger. And so little did I know he was setting the stage for a kingdom man rising moment in me. And so I never succumbed. And while other people were were giving up, throwing in the towel, or becoming violent, or becoming unforgiving. I couldn't get into that space, or at least I could only visit there. I couldn't live there because he would not allow me bringing God and his word, just inundating me with a biblical worldview that said that uh, God is a, a, not an impartial God and that, that I, I could trust that same God to do for me what other people were expecting that God to do for them. In fact, as I drive up this particular street, the church on my left was the church that I attended, our family attended, Perkins Square Baptist Church. Reminds me of the religious segregation that was during my time. I mean, people who believe the Bible, love the Lord, still wouldn't let us come worship with them. And so there was a dichotomy. And I don't know how we expect the culture to get better when the church can't get along. <laughs> And when we are illegitimately segregated and making a sin problem, a skin problem, and not dealing with the problem of, uh, of illegitimate discrimination, illegitimate rejection, and the, whether it's individual by families or systemic, because this, the systems have been set up that have disfranchised people and marginalized people. So you got, you've got a dynamic. And this area as I'm driving here now was a major part of the riots. There was a movie theater over here to my left and uh, that movie theater was torn down as part of the, uh, the rioting over the, the assassination of Martin Luther King. And it pains me to know that the divisions that I saw as a child still exist. Children don't, aren't born racist. They have to be taught that from a parent or from relatives or from the environment in which they're in. So as kingdom men, we've got to rise above it. We've got to set a new standard. We've got to set a new pace in the culture that says we as men will not accept the evil that the culture wants to either accept or the rejection or denigration of people because they don't fit our color, they, they don't fit our class, they don't fit our socioeconomic context. You know, unless there were people in my life that taught me a better way, that gave me a, a divine perspective, that influenced me, then I, I wouldn't be where I am today. I am where I am today by the grace of God using people, starting with my dad, because my dad wouldn't desert me, and wouldn't desert our family, even though times were tough and we didn't know how we were going to eat. He would never desert us. But then through a man like Martin Resnick, who gave me a bigger vision of a world that I, I never knew before. I, I never knew that I could do some of the things and be some of the things. And those were exposed to me. 
So if you would have seen me early on, maybe somebody would have written me off. But because there were influences in my life that showed me that I could be different and do different, then I became different. And that's desperately what we need today. Not, not a generation of young boys in particular, girls too, but especially young men, because we men are called to a position of unique responsibility under God. But I've seen in my own life what can happen when men of strength and character mentor, invest in the lives of young men who, who need to see better, know better, do better, and invest in their lives with time and with mentoring, and particularly spiritually based mentoring, where they're bringing them into relationship vertically with God, but horizontally with themselves, so that they can be an example. Like Paul told Timothy, follow my example. And then we need to be men of righteousness and justice. Yes, we want a moral standard that should uh, govern every man's life and his choices and his morality and his decision making. But we also need a just standard. Justice is the application, the equitable application of God's moral law in society. We got to make sure people are treated fairly. They're giving equal opportunity. Now the outcomes, people will determine based on their own determination and commitment and giftedness. We can't control all outcomes, but we can make sure that opportunities are just and that people are not so marginalized that opportunities to get ahead, to better themselves, to be responsible are ripped away from them, thus taking away their hope. Because one of the problems we're facing is hopelessness. Because when a man loses hope, you've ripped everything from him. In fact, you've destroyed him when you've taken a man's hope away. Because to take a man's hope away is to take his manhood away. Because God gives men hope. He tells Abraham, I've chosen you. I got a big plan for you. In fact, it's a multi-generational plan. That's what we need. Men who bring all of the males under the covenant of God, righteously before God, but justly before men, condemning injustice and unrighteousness and treating them equally, who want to save the babies in the womb, but who also want to give fair practices for people once born to the tomb. Whether those practices are job opportunities or, or proper housing or dealing with the illegitimate gerrymandering of districts, which makes it unfair for people who are outside and marginalized. I mean, it comes in a lot of shapes and sizes, but men who've been given opportunity, gifting, resources, should be giving it back to the kingdom so that we are identifying men and raising them up to be kingdom men. And they're rising. And we're seeing men rise, dead bones coming together like, like uh, Ezekiel saw and rebuilding a nation of men who are, who now begin to envelop the culture with proper manhood, who are committed to their families and who don't just walk away when times get tough. I remember uh, when I was denied the opportunity to get on radio and I was told by one radio station manager, you know, point blank, a black speaker on radio would offend too many of our white listeners. And I will never forget him telling me that. And the, the feeling I had that my skin color, everybody was telling me, oh, you preach the word, you, you know, you're teaching the word. But my skin color alone would deny me getting on Christian radio. And that was hurtful. That was hurtful. It was honest and it was, it could have been true, but it was hurtful and it was unfair and wrong. But even though that was the case, God overruled it. He brought another 
elite Christian leader in who opened up a whole bunch of doors for me to get on radio. So that showed me something too, uh, that the enemy may come in like a flood, but God can raise up a standard against him. And so that let me know that, okay, one person can turn you down, but, I, but you know, I got, I, got, I got other sheep in this fold. And so I can turn this thing around. And that keeps me from either not getting angry or not lingering in anger, because I know God can interrupt things if I'm doing what I should do. Because a lot of times, people who are legitimately hurt block God from, from turning it around because they let their own anger, uh, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. And once you take over that role, then you stop God from taking that role in the way he wants to take it. And so you wind up making it worse. And so that's what we're doing. We're making our problems worse and worse and worse. And, we're getting further apart and further apart all the time while we're singing songs, praying prayers, and preaching sermons. We're getting further and further apart from each other and from God. So I just say, you know, let's, let's let God be the God he is. And that doesn't mean doing nothing. It means doing the right thing that he can work with as we, as we move forward to, uh, to uh, uh, try to pull together a proper unity so we can have a proper impact in a culture that's on life support. <laughs> um, Amen. Friends, we have been privileged to have been able to sit in the car with Dr. Tony Evans as he has been going through the neighborhood where he grew up as a little boy uh, under the care of his mother and his father and the influence they had on his life and the other people that impacted his life there in Baltimore, and then grew up, and then he married his wife, Lois. <laughs> now, Lois just went home to be with the Lord a year or two ago. Right. And she was on the board of directors I of served, National Religious Broadcasters. I served right alongside with her. And That's we right. Both, yes. And um, what a blessing it is, folks. Um, can we get it straight? Race means human race, and it's one blood, and we are love the way Dr. Evans put it, we are the king's kids. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> We're kingdom children, all of us, each and every one of us. That's the name of the school that yeah. his church has, Kingdom Collegiate Academies. Um, could we all realize that to be used of God is the one thing that we should be praying for? Here's Doris Akers to tell us about it. To be used of God.
of the Lord. And I know in order to do this, that I must be a yielded vessel. My greatest desire is to be used, and rather than be idle, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. An old song I heard as a child says, if you cannot sing like angels, if you cannot preach like Paul, there's one thing you can do. You can tell the love of Jesus. You can tell that he died for all. That's what we've been praying that Bot Radio Network would be is a platform so the Lord's people could come together and be strengthened and encouraged and inspired to do the right thing according to His Word. That's right. That's right. What's the phone number? 1-800-345-2621. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. 1-800-345-2621. That's our listener comment line. Do we have a listener comment that we can enjoy listening to right we now? We sure do. Hi, my name is Michelle, and I'm calling from St. Louis, Missouri, and I'm just another fan for Bot Radio. Back in the day, I was doing my thing, running my business. It was mostly about me until I got saved, and I got saved at 45 years of age. He triumphantly found me. He's going to get more. Thank you so much, Bot Radio. (laughs) All right. How about one more? Hi, I'm a mail carrier, and I work in Alton, Missouri. I get my radio station from Jonesboro. I greatly appreciate all of the teachings, especially Alistair Begg and other programs like Wall Builders and Understanding the Times. I listen every day I can, and I'm in the truck all day long, and I really appreciate everything you guys do. God bless. You know, Rich, um, we don't realize where they are. Some of them are mail carriers. Some of them are truck drivers. Some of them are in offices. Some of them are stay-at-home moms and dads. We just don't know, do we? That's right. And here's a man from Oklahoma that's been listening for 25 years. My name's Larry. I live here in in the middle of Oklahoma. I have been listening to Bot Radio for nearly 25 years. Thank you for all your great ministries, every one of them. God bless you, and uh, may you keep up the wonderful work. I'm praying for you. Amen. Uh, Thank you, Larry. In the Sooner States. our Our time has run out again. It goes by so quick. This is Dick Bot with another chapter of the complete story with my son, Rich, right here in the studio together with me. See you later. 